the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. Serving the business of defence. With Grant McHeron. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. This episode, I'll be chatting with Greg Barsby, Managing Director at Kinetic, about the flight test ranges, facilities and test and evaluation in general that Kinetic are involved with. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be part of this. Excellent. Okay, so uh, let's kick in with the uh, the usual kind of things. For people who don't know you, don't know Kinetic, there's maybe one or two out there who are listening. Uh, can you give us a quick overview of your career and also an overview of Kinetic itself, including its history, what industries it's in, clients, that kind of thing? Yeah, sure, Grant. Sure. I've been uh, working within uh, defence or defence industry for about 25 years now. Uh, something that does surprise a number of people is I started out my career as a, a high school maths and physics teacher, um, but I, I joined the army back in about 1995 and uh, spent about eight eight years in the army. When I when I left the the military, I uh, ended up being a part owner in a small defence focused technology based training business called Catalyst Interactive. We uh, we successfully sold that business to Kellogg Brown and Root in about 2008, um, and I uh, stayed uh, working within KBR, running various uh, programs and then businesses for them, and actually ended up running KBR's uh, defence and government services business within Australia. Uh, and then in um, in 2014, I uh, I was approached by Kinetic uh, about the managing director role. So I've been I've been lucky enough to be running Kinetic in Australia uh, since late 2014. Um, and over that time, the team has grown from about 200 people to now over 850. Uh, Australians uh, working within the defence and national security space in Australia. Uh, Kinetic is a really interesting business, both globally and uh, and here in Australia. Um, we call ourselves an in- integrated defence and, and security business, uh, and we have some really unique capabilities, both in Australia and around the world. We operate what we call a multi-domestic uh, strategy. Uh, which allows us to leverage capabilities globally, uh, but invest locally and tailor those capabilities to meet the needs of our local customers. We have a, a really strong focus on what we call our three home markets, which is Australia, the UK and the US. In Australia, we're focused on some really niche um, and important engineering capabilities. Uh, we uh, are very actively working within the guided weapons and explosive ordnance space. Uh, we work within robotics and autonomous systems. Uh, we do a lot of work uh, with DST uh, and a lot of work with CASG and Air Force directly. And we've uh, we've recently acquired a business here called Air Affairs, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about later in the um, in this discussion. Uh, within the UK, uh, Kinetic is a, is a really big business in the UK, uh, five or 6,000 people, and really focused on test and evaluation. Under a, an arrangement with the, the British Ministry of Defence, Kinetic operates what's called the Long-Term Partnering Agreement, providing really significant and, and broad test and evaluation services and a number of, um, of other capabilities as well. Uh, in the US, 
uh, Kinetic is really a, a leader in sensors and autonomy, uh, and we um, we produce a, a line of um, of land uh, robotic platforms out of our US business, and we've recently acquired a large business there called Avantis, uh, which is a, a mission focused data, cyber, and space business. And I think we've now got about three thousand people uh, in the US. Uh, so, you know, there are some some really important capabilities that Kinetic has around the world, and our growth strategy here has been based on uh, leveraging uh, what's relevant to our customer into this country and building that capability uh, locally. Fantastic. And uh, with being triple homed in the US, the UK and Australia, well, that sounds like AUKUS to me. Uh, you're in a pretty good position for that. Yes, it, it, it does line up. We've been working those three countries for a number of years, though, but it, uh, it mm-hmm. does line up nicely from that perspective. <laughs> okay, so let's move back to Australia and look at uh, test range work that you're involved with and the facilities that you manage and so on. Now, you're doing this work in Australia and overseas. So uh, start with Australia and then talk about uh, what you also do overseas in this, in this area. You know, over, over my time uh, with Kinetic, we've certainly been building our test and evaluation capability. Uh, we've provided significant support to a number of the major ranges over the years, Woomera, Tyndall, et cetera, um, mostly uh, providing engineering uh, support to um, keep equipment running to support tests and trials, etc. We've developed a bomb scoring system to help with training of um, the dropping of, of bombs on ranges and provide uh, immediate feedback to the pilots, etc. And that bomb scoring system is now installed across a number of ranges. Uh, we've also developed things like digitally aided range safety systems, specifically supporting the planning uh, of um, artillery training. Through Air Affairs, we're now uh, involved in uh, a large contract called JATS, the Joint Aerial Training and Target Services contract, uh, where we, uh, you know, provide support in terms of adversary air, towed targetry, unmanned targets, etc. We also run a number of sites uh, for our customers. Uh, we're really the engineering partner to DST. And we run sites for them at Fisherman's Bend and, and a few other locations, providing really specialist engineering design and prototype support, uh, where we uh, help DST build anything they need to support uh, and run any of their test and trials and research activities. We do some really, really interesting work uh, with DST, actually. Uh, we have designed, built and operate with support from a couple of partners, the Queensland Flight Test Range for Queensland Government, which is a basically a UAV test range that we operate out of uh, Cloncurry Airport in Western Queensland. That is, you know, the only commercial UAV test range in this part of the world that I'm aware of. We uh, have helped uh, Army set up their uh, makerspace sites at uh, about seven or eight different barracks around the country. And these are small engineering design and prototype workshops where soldiers uh, can go uh, and, you know, um, make any of the ideas they have realities uh, with engineering support. 
we also run the mine warfare maintenance facility up on Sydney Harbour uh, for explosive material branch. That's a, at Waterhen. And there we, we maintain, update, deploy uh, the range of uh, maritime mi- training mines, you know, in, in support of Navy there. And uh, over the last couple of years, we've developed our own uh, engineering centre, which we call QTEC because everything in Kinetic starts with a Q. Uh, that's <laughs> the Kinetic Technology and Engineering Centre. It's at Fisherman's Bend uh, in Melbourne. Uh, it's it's up and running now. It's about a 3,500 square metre site. Again, engineering, design and prototype uh, capability and also a home for developing our capability in digital engineering and digital T&E leveraging capability um, from over in the UK. That site alone represents about a $10 million investment on behalf of Kinetic uh, into Australia, and uh, we look forward to doing a range of, of test and evaluation work and engineering work out of, out of that facility. Um, so that really covers Australia. Um, if we lift it up to Kinetic, um, I think Kinetic uh, on, a, on the global stage has a really rare combination of, of skills, products, platforms, and facilities, which we can um, provide to our customers to provide really realistic, live and synthetic environments in which to conduct test evaluation, training, trials, etc. So out of the UK, we cover a range of um, test and evaluation activities, everything from um, small munitions test right up to uh, ballistic weapons test, submarine acoustics, projectile test, uh, hull design and test. Uh, it's a really, really broad test and evaluation capability. And we, we're the only commercial entity in the world with that kind of capability. And that's all done for the, the British Ministry of Defence there in the UK. It's at least 15 large test ranges covering land, sea, air and other specialist test facilities. Obviously, we support that with a, with a, uh, an incredible range of technical and, and engineering support. So you're really doing a lot across the whole spectrum with defence. And, okay, defence is not exactly known for being nimble uh, in many areas. Uh, the CASG has certain engineering procedures. You're talking about some dynamic environments, um, you know, people coming in with ideas at DSTG, at uh, the Army Centre and so on. How do you find being able to provide uh, nimble engineering that supports but doesn't become a roadblock or a delay due to process and so on? What are you able to do in that area? Yeah, I think we've got some great examples of of where that can work really well. And I'd say the theme that, that's you know crucial to that is a, a, a true partnership-style relationship. And I think with DST... Um, over the years, we've developed an incredibly strong and, and trusting relationship, and that, that's trust both ways. And uh, we will often work with DST in arrangements where you know the team is constructed from DST people, potentially uniformed people, kinetic people, other suppliers, all working seamlessly to uh, deliver the outcome that defence needs. And, you know, I think we've got some spectacular examples of that working really well over the years. Uh, you know, the, the process um, is often raised, uh, but 
where you've got that trusted partnership style relationship, uh, I think the the parties involved are, are willing, capable, and empowered to tailor the required process uh, in accordance with the need. So, you know, if it's if it's something that's energetic or if it's something that's going to be attached to an aircraft, the the full aerospace engineering kind of approach is required. Whereas if it's a, a quick and dirty construction of a, um, a cradle to hold something during a test that's only going to be used once, you know, the, the engineering processes applied to that will be different and, the, you know, the, the, the finish will be a different... Um, a different kind of approach. You know, I think with the Defence Aviation Safety Authority, where we provide, you know, significant structure integrity engineering support, I think we've got a, a, a similar, really pragmatic partnership style approach. Uh, and even even within MSP, with, with some of the things we do for CASG, particularly in places like Explosive Material Branch, et cetera, again, uh, that real pragmatic partnership approach where we can work together to achieve, you know, the outcomes that defence needs. I think that where you, where you can establish those kind of relationships, you get, you, you know, you deliver more for the end customer. And I said before that we're 850 Australians working in Australia. Last time we did a bit of a check, we were, we were 30% veteran and, you know, another significant uh, percentage had um, worn a public service kind of uniform within defence or worked in some of the other first responder organisations. So doing a great job for the customer is really near and dear to the hearts of, of many people that work in within Kinetic. So I think, you know, our workforce really desires those, those productive arrangements as well. Earlier, you mentioned uh, live virtual constructive in, in test and simulation and so on. How are you finding the progress towards LVC in the test ranges themselves and in the work that's being done. That is a growing area, but how, how is that being adopted here in Australia compared to other parts of the world? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress, I would say. In the UK, under the LPTA, we're doing a massive modernisation program, modernising both the, the facilities and infrastructure within which T&E is undertaken, but also modernising the T&E methodologies from a uh, systems-based modelling approach, from a digital T&E approach to really speed up that complex system of systems uh, T&E approach. So we're, we're drawing upon the learnings there and how the UK are doing it. We've got some massive programs coming up here in Australia that are going to really drive um, adoption of, of digital T&E approaches. And I'm talking things like Air 6500 and some of those, those big complex programs where you're well beyond uh, component-based T&E or platforms-based T&E. You're talking complex system of systems T&E. So I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a journey that, um, that Australia is on. I think some of the, the fundamentals are certainly in place. And I think we've got the, the projects coming and, and the sense of urgency coming that are going to really drive us forward. Um, and it'll be a, a new era of T&E in this country. So you're doing a lot of work overseas. You're doing a lot of work in Australia. Defence is notoriously siloed. Uh, compartmentalization of information for the obvious security reasons and so on. How are you able to bring knowledge from overseas, from within Australia, export that to overseas? How, how do you go about 
being able to share best practices, lessons learned, knowledge, and so on, while still maintaining compartmentalization of details? I mean, the the security requirements uh, are fundamental to you know the way that defence works, the way that we work. So, uh, people who've been in this industry. Um, you know, for a long time, are very familiar with those processes and 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 how those kind of things work. They can be a barrier to working between countries, between organisations. Uh, but we've set up a uh, a program which we call our TNE Sovereign Skills Program. Uh, so this is a program, a formal program, to develop TNE capability around the world. Uh, within Kinetic, uh, and we've got uh, six Australians in the UK right now on this program. So if you think about large-scale test and trials, you think about uh, ballistic missile uh, test ranges, how do you train someone up to be the safety officer that signs off on ballistic missile test? Uh, Well, we do that. Kinetic uniform person does that uh, in the UK on the British MOD Hebrides range. So we have access to facilities where we can send Australians, send current Kinetic employees uh, over to the UK, put them on a formal program where we train them up here to a certain level, then send them over to the UK for further training and most importantly, that practical experience of working on a range, you know, conducting live operations, conducting live trials on things that aren't done in Australia currently, and then we can bring those people back here to work within the the programs that we've got coming. I think that's an incredible, incredibly valuable thing to be able to do uh, and will prove to be of significant value to our defence customers here because they are truly unique skill sets. And and I would say we're probably the only commercial entity in the world that can do that. You know, there, there can be we could be doing a similar thing with with the uh, US, but that would be within the military organisation, not within commercial organisations. Um, and oh, I think it's it's quite exciting. And this is just the the first iteration of it. And next year, I hope the program will be will be significantly bigger. And over time, we'll have built up a, a cadre of of TNE professionals with some really unique experience that they'll be able to bring to bear on Australian programs. Yeah, would you say that the AUKUS agreement has helped with that or was that help coming even before AUKUS was announced? These things were underway before AUKUS became public, uh, but I think it certainly helped and I think it will will help these things grow more into the future. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's shift tack a bit. You did mention Air Affairs before and I did want to ask you a question about your recent purchase of Air Affairs Australia. It's expanded your engagement with the ADF which was already pretty big to begin with. Uh, so what lessons have you learned from merging that entity into Kinetic and uh, and what have you applied from that? Yeah, so the integration of Air Affairs is underway right now. Uh, we closed the deal formally uh, at the start of December. So, you know, we're only a couple of months in to that that, that program uh, that that kind of project of of integrating air affairs into kinetic integration of businesses uh, is not without risk uh, and needs to be done in a really considered way uh, and a respectful way because you know you've 
Airfares is a, a successful business that has operated successfully for, for 25 years or more. Um, there are people within that business who you know, know and love their customers just as much as we know and love ours. Uh, and, and we've got to uh, manage that integration in a way that um, creates value rather than, um, than hinders it. So it's underway right now. We've actually only just launched the the rebranding of Air Affairs to Kinetic Air Affairs. And um, at uh, Avalon last week, uh, for the first time ever, we had a we actually had a Learjet on the flight line, branded Kinetic Air Affairs, and that was a real milestone for me because I could remember back in early 2015 attending my first Avalon as the MD of Kinetic Australia, thinking wouldn't it be great when we've got a Kinetic uh, <laughs> uh, aircraft on the flight line here and eight and a half years later, we've got one. Um, so it's underway right now. I, I, I'm spending a bit of time down there. You know, we're, we're transitioning uh, different things within that business across to the Kinetic way of doing things and doing it slowly and, and in a considered way. Uh, these things usually kind of uh, start with, uh, in particular, finance and transitioning the, the finance system across to the kinetic way of doing things, and and that's underway right now. And then the the other thing that always comes together quickly is the front end, uh, the BD. Um, so we've got a, a one of our our BDs with particularly relevant experience uh, is down um, at Air Affairs very regularly now. So it's kind of front end and back end, and and the delivery will just transition across uh, slowly, so as not to disrupt any of the the services that um, that uh, Air Affairs provides to defence. Uh, and then you know there's obviously when you acquire anything, you're looking for the the one plus one equals three. And Air Affairs has some particular capabilities which are, are really attractive to us. And these are uh, things like the aerial targets that Air Affairs produces, one of which is called Phoenix, um, and their manufacturing capability. And we have a range of aerial targets that we produce in other countries that we sell around the world. Um, so an exciting step forward in that integration will be when we are contemplating uh, bringing uh, maintenance, repair or, or overhaul or even part assembly uh, of some of our uh, other aerial targets uh, into Air Affairs facilities and starting to deliver those services out of Air Affairs facilities in Australia. Um, so er early stages, uh, you know, uh, in the integration, everything underway. Uh, looking good at the moment. Good on the early days and long may it continue. <laughs> okay, so let's shift tack again. The, it's an interesting market to be uh, recruiting and retaining talent at the moment. So what challenges are you experiencing with that and how are you addressing those challenges? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a hot market within the defence environment right now, so to speak. And it's a challenge to me where there's no silver bullet. Uh, you've got to work every angle of your offering uh, to your employees, you know, and I think it, it, a lot of this is, is kind of a, a, a cultural perspective. Uh, we, uh, we really value our employees and in all our thinking of what we're doing, we're trying to put 
our employees first. Um, so there are a whole heap of, of things that we've done within our offering uh, beyond just reward, uh, you know, through training, through uh, flexibility, um, uh, our approach to diversity, all of those things we are, we are, we are working. Uh, the other thing that I touched on earlier, something that is really important to, um, to our workforce is the quality of the work that we do for our customers. So, you know, ensuring that we do a good job, uh, we're known for delivery and we're able to bring that bit of innovation and, and different thinking um, to what we offer to our customers uh, is, uh, is something that's, um, that's also incredibly important. We do some things as well on the corporate social responsibility front. Uh, we're very active in that space. Uh, I, I think it's a real privilege, actually, uh, when you're in my kind of role to be able to give back. Uh, and we've done some big things. Uh, a couple of years ago, we took uh, 20 people to walk the Kokoda track uh, with Legacy, raising money for Legacy, and we raised about $150,000 that time. We've done it once since. Uh, we would have done it again a year or two ago, but COVID thwarted us, but we'll get back onto that. And we've got a number of other charities we support, and it's it's great to see how the business rallies behind those activities and, and gets involved in them. Then the, the back end of, uh, of all of this is, is getting employee feedback on this stuff. And uh, we have what I think is a really great staff engagement survey tool, uh, which we run every quarter. It's quite comprehensive. It's completely anonymous. Uh, and it asks a range of questions about what's going on across the business and enables staff to put in free form. Uh, and we get that information once a quarter and um, go through all of the comments and see what the themes are and decide, all right, what, what things are we going to work on next? Uh, we get a lot of feedback on what's been working well, particularly things like flexibility, the, you know, the way we've um, – we had quite a flexible approach pre-COVID, but I think now we're exceptionally flexible in, in, in how we enable people to work. Um, and, and, yeah, that, that – you know, it does – it does roll up to a to a score for the business, and our business scores very well in that. But you know, you've you've got to have those avenues to to collect feedback and ideas from the staff, and I think we've we've got a good one there. And uh, to one last question to wrap it all up: Are there any issues with defence and industry that keep you awake at night? And are you able to tell us about them? Well, I think you've you've touched on the number one thing that keeps me awake at night is is where are we going to get the appropriately trained, qualified, security cleared people to do the work that's ahead of us. And, you know, that's not just a, a kinetic issue. That's a, that's an Australia issue. Yeah. So uh, that's definitely one that, that keeps me awake at night. And in fact, uh, in my quarterly board report, I have the, uh, the, the end of my report finishes with what's keeping me awake at night. And we had a board meeting the <laughs> other week and that was the number one thing keeping me awake at night. How are we going to attract and retain, you know, the high quality people we need and how are we going to attract people from adjacent areas and train them up, uh, you know, in the spaces that we need. And we've had a bit of success with that over the years, but uh, it's an ongoing kind of uh, work in progress for us. Yeah, so that'd be my number one. As they say, we're living in interesting times. <laughs> yep. Well, Greg Barsby, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great chat. No worries. My pleasure. Thank you, Grant. Thank you. 
Okay, and of course, thanks to everyone for listening once again. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, you can like us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice as this helps others discover our show. Meanwhile, thanks for tuning in and we'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative episode. The ADM podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Australian Defence Magazine, a Yaffa media title. The views of the people appearing on this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Australian Defence Magazine, the Department of Defence or the guest's employer. If you wish to use any of the audio in this podcast, please contact Australian Defence Magazine via their website, australiandefence.com.au or via email at defmag at yaffa.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.